I want you to try and think of a song that is important to you. Not one that you like or one that is your favorite or one that gets your toe tapping when it comes on the radio. I mean a song that matters to your soul. I'll give you two for me. They come out of the same movie musical called The Greatest Showman. Um, as the father of four girls, who, statistically speaking, will peak in their self-confidence at nine years of age, and who will deteriorate in self-confidence for the whole rest of their life. There's a song in that musical sung by Kira Simple called This Is Me, in which her character basically proclaims that she doesn't care how much it's going to hurt and she doesn't care how much of a cost she's going to pay. She's not going to shrink away from who she is. This is who she is, world, and you're just going to have to learn how to deal with it. And I listen to the song, and I weep, and I pray for my girls. But as a father to those four girls, I think about a song that comes late in the musical, sung by Hugh Jackman, as a bit of a lament that he has allowed himself to be distracted from the relationships and the people who matter most in his life. And the declaration in the song is that from now on, nothing will divert his attention from the people who matter the most. And as a dad, I weep and I pray for myself. That's what I mean when I talk about an important Song. Songs have the ability to speak a truth more profound than what can be said by words alone. Songs have a way of speaking truth directly to our soul. Songs have a way of reshaping who we are, of making us better, which is why songs are vitally important to our humanity and likely why, at the end of this epic narrative of God rescuing Israel from slavery in Egypt, the way the story ends is with a song. Having just experienced and witnessed God's saving love at work on their behalf, rescuing them from the sin and evil and death of slavery in Egypt by parting a path through the Reed Sea and guiding Israel through on dry land and bringing them to safety on the far shore before collapsing the waters in the story on the Egyptian army, destroying them all. Having just experienced that act of salvation from God, it says in Exodus chapter 15 that Moses and his sister, the prophet Miriam, who was there at the beginning of the story saving Moses' life and is there at the end of the story celebrating God's salvation, she is there at both ends as the prophet that God uses to declare God's salvation to the world. She and Moses sing and it says in Exodus 15 that Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. The Lord is God's name, Yahweh. I will sing to Yahweh for an overflowing victory. Horse and rider God threw into the sea. 
Yahweh is my strength and my power. God has become my salvation. This is my God, whom I will praise, the God of my ancestors, whom I will acclaim. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is God's name. They sing this song together as a community. It's like this explosion of emotion, of joy and relief and thanksgiving and celebration in this unreserved thankfulness to God that manifests even in dance. I heard somebody say this week that dance is the wordless song that we sing with our entire body. And I love that. Moses and Miriam lead the people in giving themselves over body and soul to celebrating the fact that they together as a community are the people that God has rescued from the power of sin and evil and death in order to love and worship and serve God in the freedom and new life that God has Provided, They sing this song about what God has done. It's like they take this experience and they try and capture it. They, they bottle it up in this song so that every time in the future, as they pull the cork on the song, they can re-experience what God has done and re-embrace what that means for them all over again. And they sing this song to God to celebrate God's active love for them. And it shapes their active love for God. They sing this song to each other as a ritual. It says at the end of the passage that Miriam and the women repeat the refrain. This is a song that is meant to be sung over and over again to become a part of the living memory of the community so that they can remember and their children can know who God is and what God has done for them in a way that sinks deep into their bones. And they sing this song for the world. It's not just for them. It is to enhance and expand God's reputation around the world. The very middle of the song in verse 11 is this question, who is like our God in all the earth? And the answer is nobody. And the prayer is that everybody would come to know their God. That's why Israel sang. And friends, I'm telling you, that's why as a community and as people who follow Jesus, that's why we sing. As odd as it is, we sing these songs because songs have a way of speaking truth from our soul, have a way of, of drilling into our bones the truth that God has rescued us from sin and evil and death through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says in 1 John chapter 3 that God's son Jesus appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil to undo the destructive work of God's enemies, which, to be clear, God's enemy is never another human being. It is not a person God hates, because there are no people in that category. 
of people God hates. It's not you. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what path your life has been on. You are not a person God hates. You are a person God loves because that's the only kind of person there is. That's equally true of the people that we, for whatever reason, have chosen that we hate. Those are not people God hates. Those are also people God loves, and it's us who have to get our act together. We're not defending God's honor by hating them. We are violating God's name. No, when you read the Christian scriptures, the the enemy of God is the destruction that is wreaked on this world by sin and evil and death. And the purpose of Jesus coming was to destroy that destruction, to reclaim the world for light and life and healing and hope to bring healing to our broken relationship with God, to bring healing to our broken relationship with ourselves, to bring healing to our broken relationships with each other, to bring healing to our broken relationships with the forgotten and the ignored, to bring healing to our broken relationships with the hated and our enemies, to bring healing to the broken relationships with society and the world, and even to bring healing to our broken relationship with the planet itself. That's why we sing and celebrate what God has done. It says in Colossians chapter 3, the word of Christ, what the truth about Jesus must live in you richly. So teach and warn each other with all wisdom. How do we do that? By singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. It is by worship through song that we celebrate that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, God has set us free from the guilt and shame of sin, from all of the times that we have chosen unlove instead of the loving way of Jesus. God has set us free from the guilt and shame and power of sin and set us free so that we can choose love and the way of Jesus. We celebrate. That in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, God has set us free from evil and injustice, from systems of racism and xenophobia and patriarchy and ageism and ableism and homophobia and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism and economic injustice and all the other structures of oppression that make the world an evil place to live for those who lack privilege. We celebrate the fact that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, God has set us free from death, from everything that would steal and kill and destroy the light and the life, the joy and the abundance, the healing and the hope, the peace and the love that God has created this world to be filled with. That is why they sang. That is why we sing. We sing to celebrate what it is that God has done in Jesus Christ. But that's not all. They didn't just sing in Exodus 15 to celebrate what God had already done. They sang to celebrate what God was still yet to do. 
In Exodus 15, 13, it says, With your great loyalty and love, you led the people you rescued. With your power, you guided them to your sanctuary. The peoples heard. They shook in terror. In the first part of the verse, it talks about what God, God had already done. God had led them out of Egypt. But in the second half, it talks about what God was still yet to do. In fact, the first Half of the song, the first 12 verses, are about what God did in setting them free. But the, from verse 13 to 18, the song is about what God was still going to do. It says the peoples heard and they shook in terror. They go on to sing about the nations that now stand between Israel on the shore of the Reed Sea and the land that God had promised them, the peoples that they are going to have to pass by in order to settle in the land that God had given them, warring nations that threatened Israel's well-being in the future. And there on the shore of the sea, they sing in celebration for the ways that God will protect them and bring them to the place that God promised. In fact, that's the second thing that they celebrate in advance. In verse 17, it says, You brought Israel in and planted them on your own mountain, the place, Yahweh, that you've made your home, the sanctuary, Yahweh, that your hand created. Yahweh will rule forever and for always. They said, you're not just going to guide us safely past these nations. You are going to guide us home to your mountain. They're talking about Mount Zion in the center of the city of Jerusalem, where hundreds of years later, God's temple would be built, where God's presence would settle. It would be the place where God's throne was to be found, where God's kingdom would originate and radiate from Israel around the world, the place where Israel would settle and live in the presence of God and invite the nations to join them in, in loving and worshiping and serving the God of Israel, the God who saves. They celebrated not only what God had done, but they celebrated what God was still going to do. And it's interesting in some translations, it all gets translated in the past tense as though it was all done. They are so confident that God will finish the work that God had started at the shore of the Reed Sea, that they sing about it as though it's already done. And friends, we worship in song, not just to celebrate the ways that God has rescued us from sin and evil and death through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We sing in song to remind ourselves that God will still yet finish the saving work that God has begun. I mean, in the one hand, it's odd to say that we celebrate the ways that God has rescued us through Jesus Christ in the past from sin and evil and death, because there is so much sin and evil and death alive in me and in you and in us and in our world. But we are celebrating how by the Holy Spirit through the church, God is still saving the world. It says in Philippians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writes, I am sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job 
by the day of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, this one thing I know for sure, that the God who started to do this saving thing in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not going to go anywhere and is not going to quit until God finishes the job of rescuing the world from sin and death and evil to love and to worship and to serve God in the freedom and life, uh, new life that God provides, that what God started in Jesus is the guarantee that God will finish what God started in you because of Christ. God has promised to bring to completion by the day that Jesus returns and reclaims the whole earth as God's new creation, a place filled with light and life and joy and abundance and healing and hope and peace and love. That's what faith is, celebrating in the confidence of what God is still yet to do. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not yet see. Faith, the heart of faith, the symptom of faith, is living as though the thing that God has not yet done has already been accomplished. The confidence to know and to live and to believe that God is going to be faithful to do what God has said that God would do. Now, I need to say this. That does not mean that we never doubt, that we never question, that we never go through hard days and seasons where we wonder whether God is really with us. Go and read the Psalms. Three quarters of the book of Psalms are people complaining to God that they have not yet seen God, the salvation that God has promised. God has not yet acted in the way that God promised God would. And where was he? And all of those songs at some point come to a moment where the psalmist says, and yet, even though I haven't seen it yet, I will trust in your salvation. I will trust your promise that your salvation is coming, that you will still yet one day rescue me from sin and evil and death in me and in our community and in our world. And you will bring me to the place where I can love and worship and serve you myself and in our community and in the world, in the freedom of the new life that you have given in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus in the community. We sing the songs not only to celebrate what God has done, we sing the songs to stand in solidarity with each other and to steal ourselves for the journey ahead, for the battles that are, for come, that are still coming, and to remind ourselves that God will lead us through. Friends, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, as he hung on the cross and proclaimed, it is finished, it has been accomplished, the work of the enemy is now being undone. That is the source of our faith and our hope. And as we come to the communion table now, let that be the source of your faith and your hope. 
for the battles that rage and the ones that are to come. And as we sing this song of dependence together, let it come from your soul. Let it penetrate into your soul. Let it reshape your soul. Let it be the kind of song that makes you into the thing that you sing by the power of Jesus as we sing to the God whom we need deeply. Let's celebrate the Lord's table together.